Welcome to Now Charleston. I'm Sam Spence. It's Wednesday, May 18th. Now Charleston takes a look at a handful of issues three times a week and tells you why they're important. A few quick headlines for you this Wednesday. A 13-year-old search for a missing New York teenager ended in Georgetown this week with a man charged in her death. Workers at a Greenville Starbucks voted to join a union this week, the first location in the state with possibly others on the way. That mass shooting in Buffalo last weekend, America's latest white supremacist killing spree, has a direct Charleston connection. And a free symphony concert will be held at the Joe over Fourth of July weekend, the city announced this week. Those stories and more, starting now. First, I want to hear from y'all. The interviews I've done have been some of the most listened to shows I've had, so I want to know who y'all want to hear from on Now Charleston. I've got a long list of folks you'll likely hear from in the near future, but if there's someone I need to talk to, if you are that person or your friend or someone you know or see every day you're curious about, let me know. Send me a message on Instagram. That's probably the easiest way to get me at Now Charleston. Hit me up. Remains were found last week of 17-year-old Brittany Drexel. Discovered not far off Highway 17, just as you drive into Georgetown, the discovery brings some closure to a 13-year-old search for what happened to the teen. Charging her death was Raymond Douglas Moody, a 62-year-old man who faces murder, kidnapping, and criminal sexual assault charges. Moody is a registered sex offender, according to South Carolina state records, with charges dating back almost 40 years in California. Drexel's mother thanked officials this week for finding Brittany's remains, saying it marks the beginning of a new chapter to find justice for her daughter. But until the man who was ultimately charged in her death was arrested earlier this month, law enforcement officials focused their search on another man, a black man about 30 years old now, from the Mount Pleasant area, as far as I can tell. He was named in the media repeatedly, so much that after years of no charges related to the incident, his mother made a public plea to please stop associating her son with the case. Now, the FBI told Live 5 News in Charleston this week that they followed all the leads they thought they needed to and believe they now have arrested the right man. I don't know much about the guy who was said to be connected for all these years, uh, but I know his mugshot from another case he got probation for appeared on TV and in the paper uh, related to one of the most followed cases in South Carolina over the years. But he was never charged. Instead, another guy, who has gone 13 years without that kind of spotlight, is reportedly who confessed and now faces charges. Links to some of that coverage at nowcharleston.com. Raymond Moody remains in Georgetown County Jail without bail at this point, and it's unknown whether he has a lawyer or how he'll plead. Eight out of nine workers who voted in a recent uh, union vote at a Greenville Starbucks location voted in favor of joining a growing union of workers from the coffee giant who say together they want to demand better working conditions and higher pay. The store is the first in South Carolina to unionize, and three more are expected to take votes in the next few weeks. No stores in the Charleston area have filed petitions at this point. But Starbucks workers are unionizing all over the country. After the experience of working during the pandemic brought up concerns over worker well-being and company policies generally. In all, about 250 of the uh, chain's 9,000 stores are organizing, according to Yahoo News. All Starbucks stores are company-owned, no franchises. So that's why they can all unionize together. And that's also why you see locations so close to each other, where the company has figured out that both stores can make more money than just one. Of course, unions in South Carolina are are pretty uncommon. We have one of the nation's lowest unionization rates, 
and companies come here specifically to avoid pressure from worker-led organizing. But it's not unheard of, just anecdotally because I've followed it for the past few years. Um, Another pretty small sector that's organized recently are journalists. Newsrooms in South Carolina and corporate-owned papers mostly uh, in Beaufort, Columbia, and over the border in Charlotte have had their individual unions recognized by management in recent years. And of course, we're seeing workers at tech companies like Amazon push to organize in other states, including in the South. I wouldn't be too surprised if we see some more increased organizing in the Palmetto State. The white supremacist mass shooter who killed 10 in a Buffalo grocery store over the weekend appears to have been inspired by the Emanuel AME Church killer. The man, 18-year-old Peyton Gendron, reportedly praised Dylan Roof, among other racism-motivated mass murderers, in a manifesto uh, discovered by law enforcement after his arrest Saturday. You might remember that Roof said he hoped to inspire others and start a race war. Like Roof, Gendron uh, appears to have been radicalized by online extremists, in addition to, of course, the real-life extremism it reported on the news every week after all these mass killings, one after another. The Buffalo Killer also wrote Roof's name on the gun he used to commit the murders. The racist killings in Buffalo, of course, also bring to mind memories for those affected by the racist killings at Mother Emanuel in Charleston. State Representative J.A. Moore from Hanahan, whose half-sister Myra Thompson was killed at Emanuel, tweeted that the Buffalo shootings hit close to home. Quote, A white supremacist took my sister's life in a shooting at Emanuel AME Church seven years ago, and now 10 more people are dead because nothing's changed. Unquote. The killer in Buffalo espoused some of the same bogus conspiracy theory heard from the killer in Charleston, that white people were being replaced by Jewish people and people of color. This kind of reactionary theory has its own longer history, including here in South Carolina. Check the links at nowcharleston.com for a Twitter thread by a former city paper and Post and Courier reporter Paul Bowers, who now writes the Brutal South newsletter. His posts trace back the historical roots of replacement theory, which is what this is called, through racist South Carolina leaders like Ben Tillman, who reversed Reconstruction and laid the groundwork for Jim Crow in South Carolina. It's worth a read. Everything has a context and a history. Links to everything at nellcharleston.com. One more to wrap up today. The city of Charleston announced this week an Independence Day weekend concert at the Joe, featuring the Charleston Symphony Orchestra. The event is July 2nd at 8 p.m., Um, The concert and fireworks that follow are free, but tickets must be reserved in advance at charlestonarts.org. Again, a link directly to the ticket page at nowcharleston.com so you can grab those tickets if you're around on July 2nd. That's all I've got for you today. If you've got feedback for the show, you can leave a voice message at 843-474-1319 or email sam at nowcharleston.com. If you can rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now, that's a big help also. And as always, check nowcharleston.com for links and notes from today's show. And to keep up in between shows, follow twitter.com slash nowcharleston and instagram.com slash nowcharleston. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back on Friday with the next Now Charleston.